0: Mr. Robot, Season 1, Episode 8, White Rose is over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps, revisiting the episode for Mr. Robot Road, our rewatch podcast of everything Mr. Robot, Season 1, as we continue the march toward the July 13 premiere of Mr. Robot, Season 2. Hello, everybody. I am Josh Wiggler, and I am joined here by my partner in crime, my fellow ballet dancer, my everything, Antonio Mazzara.
1: Josh, you are my uh, salad fork.
0: <laughs> that's right. Yes. Yikes. That's, you, that's exactly how I use you as yes. well. Yes. Yeah. Just like any excuse to get out of something is what you're trying to say.
1: Exactly. That, right. It's metaphorical. Extreme, salad fork. An
0: extreme measure. <laughs> so yes. Exactly. No you're, half you're, measures, Josh. No full half salad measures. Forks. You only go full measure. Fork measure.
1: Yes, exactly. Uh,
0: so brutal. So gnarly.
1: Oh, no, it's great. It's beautiful. Who wouldn't want to ride or die like that?
0: I guess. All right. Well, we'll talk, through, <laughs> we'll talk through all of that stuff. But here we are. We're talking about White Rose, the eighth episode of the first season of Mr. Robot, a really big episode, as you guys know, having watched the episode at this point. If you haven't watched the episode, I would tune out now. Uh, this is not the place for you to be. We will be talking about everything that happened in episode eight in our spoiler-free section of this podcast before Megwaying over into our spoiler-filled section, as we do here on the Robot Revisited podcasts, Antonio, I believe it was in the spoiler-filled section last week that you said, for your money, White Rose is the best episode of the season
1: yeah if i didn 't say that in the spoiler filled section, I definitely said it to you at some point and i at least until this point, at least through eight episodes I, I think that that's that 's the case. I do think that huge things happen in this episode. It begins with a very kind of unsettling scene that i I think really sets you off on a foot where you 're not sure what you 're watching and and have did I miss something and that sort of feeling like maybe you're not in on something that you're, you're, you feel like you should be throughout the episode. I think the episode really takes advantage of that. Some really great one-on-one meetings in this episode. I know you're a fan of Mr. Robot and uh, Romero from the previous episode, but there's Mr. Robot and Wellick here. Yes. We've got Elliot and White Rose. We've got some really great kind of uh, one-on-ones that are going on. Wellick is really going off the reservation and off the rails. Just awesome things happening in this episode. And then that ending, Josh, I know that ending is a huge gut punch for you.
0: Oh, it's a big deal. I mean, listen, there are major reveals contained within this episode. There is the ticking clock element of the White Rose meeting, which is very clearly up my alley if anyone knows anything about me. I'm a big 24 fan, so this is really that kind of moment for me that I really love that meeting. Um, I hadn't even
1: thought of that. You just like watch beeps. (laughs) It's
0: It's really what what it comes down to. No, I like the intensity of time running out. I think that that's a great dramatic device and it's really excellently used in this episode. But beyond that, there's just these big, big reveals involving Elliot and involving some of the characters that we have known throughout this show that we have been starting to get to know that now we know a big piece of the puzzle about them. Uh, Looking at you, Darlene. Looking at you, Mr. Robot. Even looking at Angela, who seems to have a pre-existing relationship with Darlene. Uh, So there's a lot, a lot, a lot to chew on in this episode. Some other things are starting to open up as well. Gideon's suspicion of Elliot Elliot is starting to become a thing once again. So lots of really great stuff that you want in this episode.
1: Yeah, it's just uh, there. It's just you talk about chewing. It's a buffet of all these different things coming home to roost ultimately and storylines that have kind of been just sort of percolating throughout, whether it is Gideon and his suspicions and seeing how that is really coming to a head, whether it's the Dark Army and everything that we've been seeing kind of back and forth between Darlene and Cisco, a.k.a. Turtle throughout, whether it's any of those kind of things with Wellick and and working with evil corp against evil corp to become cto to become an executive uh to murder all these things really are boiling and at the, at the perfect time because of course the episode is only 10 or the season is only 10 episodes long so this is really just reaching a fever pitch right at the appropriate time and i think that time is such a huge element of this episode we get characters possibly losing time elliot kind of jumping from scene to scene white roses watch beeps uh, maybe not being sure that We, as the audience, have actually seen everything, even though Elliot is directly asking us if we know more than he does, and we do. So there are are some really awesome things in this episode, unquestionably. And I think, as I said, through eight episodes, this is certainly my favorite.
0: All right. So if you're just joining us here on Robot Road, go back and listen to all the things that we have done already. Yes, please. We have talked through every episode of Mr. Robot up to this point. You can subscribe. Oh, I thought you
1: meant everything we've ever done. Everything we've
0: ever done. Yes. Yes. Every single thing that we've ever done in our lives, let alone post-show recap
1: go back and listen to my fifth grade uh, (laughs) recorder recital or whatever I did. Yeah,
0: go revisit that uh, videotape of me in the fifth grade in Freedom Bound, the play that we did where I played Johannes Schmittengeister when I arrived on Ellis Island and was told to change my name to John Smith, and I delivered the line, why not? In America, anything goes. Wow. That was it. That's what I did back in the fifth grade. It was very good. Yeah.
1: In olden days, a glimpse of stocking was looked on as something shocking. But now God knows anything goes.
0: <laughs> anyway, how about you subscribe to what we're doing here with the Mr. Robot Podcast? Go to posterrecaps.com slash MR Robot iTunes, or everything we're doing here on Poster Recaps, slash iTunes. Let's hop into this episode, Antonio. We begin with Darlene. Darlene, who is, you know, one of the, the most ride or die members of F society, really wants to see this thing work out, has been very, very dedicated to the um to to finding white rose and all of this stuff with the dark army and has really been on that beat and yet here she is kind of sleeping with the enemy
1: Yeah, uh, just some kind of banker, some kind of powerful class person who is evaluating her as the consummate survivor. This person who can kind of just survive no matter what, no matter what class, no matter what kind of people are in the world. Darlene is the consummate survivor. It's a little bit of a compliment that uh, she's been hooking up and she's on his balcony. He leaves her in his his apartment, which uh, ultimately seems to be a mistake because she hacks into his safe and steals a gun. Steals a gun.
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah, she is, you know, she is arming up, and we're going to see later in the episode that she's arming up because things are moving ahead with the Dark Army. Turtle said that to her in the previous episode when they kind of broke up and had their, like, final encounter of, like, I don't ever want to see you again, but by the way, White Rose is accepting the meeting. And now that this is on, I think that Darlene is really feeling the heat and is kind of, like... I gotta be prepared just in case things go real south. So she's arming up, she's you know, she's busting out the gun. Was that the sole purpose of why she's here, you think?
1: I was just wondering that in my own brain. Like, is that the only reason she went there? Is that the only reason she probably uh coupled with this individual? Uh it doesn't seem like that would be the only reason. Uh Darlene does not have a joyless lifestyle, so uh probably she also got other enjoyments out of it. But it is interesting that as soon as he leaves, she knows immediately that there's something somewhere and she just has to find it she doesn't know where the safe is it's not like she's been there a million times she has to look around for it she doesn't know what the combination is although apparently when you need to know the combination is something you just look around the room and there it is uh, are people really that simple josh if i wanted to hack into your life would i just need to look in the room where your computer is and look at uh, any kind of keywords or dates that are visible
0: all of my things that i need to keep away from people are extraordinarily well hidden uh, yes. i'm not i'm not concerned about the security of any of my stuff
1: okay all right I'll, we'll, we'll see about that sounds like a challenge no just kidding listening.
0: just kidding everything yeah. is very easy to find it's not even worth it it's not a challenge don't worry
1: yeah and there's nothing good anyway when they do look so let's just forget that let's yeah. forget we brought it up at all but no darlene looks around the room she sees that she sees some numbers she hacks into the safe she gets in there and she gets a gun uh and and we're you know we're immediately when you're talking about a gun in the first act of anything we're, we're wondering what will happen with this gun
0: you assume the gun goes off uh, that's yes. the to be the rule, so keep an eye on that thing. Let's track that thing. Um, But let's track Darlene as she leaves this ritzy apartment, uh, this big giant loft, and she goes to ballet class. Um, Black Swan. Yeah, yeah, she definitely has sort of a Black Swan vibe going on right there. And in walks her, you know, she's the Mila Kunis to Angela's Natalie Portman, these two people who we never really expected would have any connection toward each other. Certainly not one that was already established that we didn't know about yet. This is a big, jarring surprise. And I remember watching it the first time before it's revealed that clearly they know each other, um, that I was just wondering, like, what is Darlene trying to get out of Angela? Like, why is she spying on someone really close to Elliot right now? And then suddenly they're just talking like they're old friends.
1: Yeah. Uh, Darlene knows about Ollie. Tell me you're not getting back together with him. And not only do they know each other, but they know each other's personal lives. And then that's what I'm talking about. That's when you're meant to, I think as an audience member who hasn't in detail watched and rewatched all these episodes, say, wait a minute, what did I miss? Like, do, have they ever interacted? I remember Angela had a scene with, was it Shayla? Yeah, the, when they had the Molly and they made out and all yeah. that. But was Darlene involved with that? And immediately the viewer is very disoriented, I think, because these are two characters that you're not used to seeing together. This is, in fact... The first scene that they 've had together this season, uh, and I think that the the knowledge that they may know each other on some sort of friendly level uh, definitely puts you in a position where you 're wondering like how much do they know? why do they know each other? why are they so friendly? do they know each other outside of this class? where did they meet each other uh, and your mind is sort of racing as this beautiful Mozart comes on uh, and the title card sort of swells up because they 're talking about Elliot and the fact that he 's had a shitty month is something that is known to both of them yeah so the- this is something where they, they seem to share Elliot in common, and the question is, like, how and why? And there we go, title card. So here we are.
0: Gotta say, I mean, of all the title card reveals, this is probably the weakest one for me so far. I think that's because I'm so caught up in just the being completely mystified by this Darlene and Angela connection that I almost don't care about the title card, which is rare because the title card for me is typically a highlight of every episode
1: yeah it is it is definitely the least climactic thing that happens in that scene and as a matter of fact the fact that the title card comes up at all is frustrating not rewarding and not beautiful because you want to immediately continue, the continue scene, to continue yes. part of that scene yes so yeah. the fact that you can't and the fact that you kind of cut it off there is uh, i mean it's certainly by design and it's great we ought also a really long cold open when you go over everything that happened with darlene at the uh, the you know the apartment and the conversation that she has with the guy then her looking around around the apartment then her finding the gun uh, then her going to ballet class and all the things that's a pretty long cold open for this show for
0: sure yeah absolutely all right so we shift from there let's talk about the man of the hour let's talk about Elliot Alderson who is kind of going through the process of everything that happened with Krista where we last left him off and he was you know giving her the full download on who he is you know allowing her to view his source saying I've viewed yours it's not very pretty Clearly, it didn't go well. He says, "I didn't. I don't feel good about hurting her." Um, he's, you know, doing his whole kind of Dexterish tradition of burning all the info onto a CD and filing that away. So this thing with Krista, it didn't land well.
1: Yeah, it is something where he immediately has retreated out to start looking at her paintings again, and he feels a little bad about it. As you're saying, he even says, I don't feel good about hurting her. I hope you're not mad at me, he says, talking to us. Right. And yeah, he burns the CD, calls it Talking Heads, which I think is interesting considering the role she played and uh, in has played throughout the course of this show. Uh, and yeah, he's, he's sort of moving on and this is this is Elliot moving on to F society. He's yeah. approaching Mr. Robot. And he says, Hey, are, is everybody back together? Where are we after last episode?
0: Yeah, we got the gang back together. Most, Mr. Robot did it, you know, he compelled Romero to come back, I think, and we saw yes. Darlene make her moves and everything. Um so I I feel like, you know, it didn't work out well with Krista, but it must have been cathartic enough on one level to get Elliot's head back in the game to, you know, confess the things that he confessed to her. I I think there needed to be some sort of release with everything that was going on in his mind over the past month of all the guilt that had happened with Shayla that I think some sort of emotional release was necessary to kind of clear him up and get him back in the game a little
1: yeah and it's not lost on me of course that the while Elliot is clearing his screen of Krista's information and kind of burning that all to a cd on one of the other monitors he has the schematics for the the air control system the very thing that as he gets with f society in the next scene and sort of introduces the plan uh, it involves those very schematics and the fact that all of the thermal control systems at the five sites are networked to the point where they can use the one raspberry pi in and get into all five systems so their hack could be back on they don't have to go to five different sites they don't have to do all these crazy things they can use the back door that they already set up to control the temperature controls at all five sites and elliot's head has been clear enough that he's worked this out and is delivering the plan to f society
0: all right so darlene is going to get on the train she's on her way to f society she is seeing sus- suspicious men on the train uh they come up to her and she you know has her hand on the gun in the bag you assume that what her hand is on and they actually speak to her like usually when this happens when suspicious looking men like well-dressed men show up to elliot that's probably you know you at least have to question whether or not these people are legit and very often it's just sort of his paranoia at least that's how it's bared out this thus far in the case of darlene like this isn't just like unfounded paranoia she like got it right like these people are actually talking to her and actually do seem to be from the dark army
1: yeah and they they're they're giving her very specific instructions that say tell him to follow the proper commands or else the sequence won't initiate so they not only are are interacting directly with her but they seem to know what the plan is right. or that there's something involved with uh with this sequence or the proper commands and him so this is a message delivered directly to her about the thing that Elliot has not even revealed to the team yet so it's interesting that the Dark Army may know the plan for F Society before F Society does
0: all right so Elliot and everybody there at society they're at the arcade and they're going to start talking through the plan can you talk me through the plan a little bit of what it is elliot has going on here what has he devised
1: yeah, as I was saying, the, the what Elliot is revealing through I guess research into the climate control system, which we've seen him looking at the screen in his computer. We've seen him kind of getting the name off the off the climate control system, Air Dream Systems. We saw a close-up of him looking at that when he put the Raspberry Pi controller in at Steel Mountain. That Raspberry Pi controller that he's put in at Steel Mountain it is something that is linked to the network. And Elliot has discovered that all five of the systems at the various sites where the backup data for Evil Corp is kept in the United States are all linked to the same network. And so by using the backdoor that they already have at a certain time, once the Dark Army is also deleting the backups in China... They can, in one fell swoop, ultimately, delete everything that Evil Corp has, all the backup, all their data, all the debt that these people have can be immediately erased uh, with this one action. So the plan is on. The plan that they originally were contemplating doing was to go to Steel Mountain, just kind of burn it down so that all the data was deleted at the same time the Dark Army deleted the data in China. We know that Evil Corp made these backups, and we thought that that was the end of the plan, but Elliot is now revealing they can do all five backups at the same time this network temperature control system
0: the big thing and this is why you know darlene has been working her butt off is they have to make sure that the dark army is on board uh they have to have that meeting and they have to have that acknowledgement that we're in this together and that's why it's such a big deal that this white rose meeting seems like it's going to happen
1: yeah, because if they delete all five of the copies that are that are housed, they're housed in the states, there will still be backup of that data housed offsite in China, and the company can just restore all their data from that backup in China. White Rose and and the Dark Army can possibly help them delete that information in China at the same time. And that's the goal, is that it has to be done contemporaneously so that nobody puts the clamps down, immediately takes the system off offline, that sort of thing. They have to do it at the same time. They have to do China at the same time as the U.S. They need the Dark Army to do China. Now that the U.S. system is a go, and now that we've got this meeting with the Dark Army and White Rose – All we need to do is get them to agree to do the China thing at the same time, and the hack will happen.
0: Right. Uh, So Darlene wants to give Elliot a present. Here's a present, uh, and this present is A, a gun, and B, my number. What a great yeah. what a great combo package that is.
1: Yeah, man. Who who wouldn't want to meet a lady that uh, delivers you a pistol and her phone number at the same time?
0: It's an interesting choice. Uh, but Elliot is saying like I don't even know how I'd use that. But Darwin's like you gotta be careful. Like we're in the big leagues right now. Um, Elliot's saying like I don't know. Like I don't even know that they want to meet with me. Darwin's like you're the guy. They're gonna want to meet with you. Here's my number. Elliot's not enjoying that. He's like, this is not the rules. Like, F Society's whole thing is like, we keep each other off of each other's radar. We don't keep each other's numbers. Uh, And Darwin says... Screw that. We have to protect each other right now. Like, forget, you know, protecting F society. We have to protect each other. In the moment, it's a little curious um, why she is doing that, but obviously, in retrospect, knowing by the end of this episode, Darlene and Elliot have come to the realization, or Elliot at least has come to the realization that Darlene is his sister, this makes a lot more sense that she would want to protect her brother in this moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've certainly buried the lead in not getting right into that. That's the big news from this episode is that Elliot's got some family issues here that are really coming to the surface that have not been addressed throughout the course of the series. And if you go back, having watched this episode only, not episodes nine and 10, uh, you can see that that sort of thing really kind of bubbling through these scenes and through Darlene basically hugging Elliot and saying, We, you know, we have to look out for each other. This is not a, F society thing. This is an us thing and we've got to take care of each other. And here's my number. And you know, it's weird. Honestly, it's already unusual and unorthodox for a hacker group to be meeting kind of in public like this and to know each other's faces and to be that level of connected, let alone kind of having personal phone numbers and things like that. The fact that they're, they know about each other's lives to the point where Darlene can go on campus to find Trenton, that Mr. Robot can find Romero. Like these are things that, that is, that are out unusual for, groups like this and certainly crossing an even bigger line to have kind of personal contact information and you know, we see Mister Robot immediately, uh, kind of shaking his head about this when the numbers are exchanged, and then catching up with Elliot after this and saying, "You know, lose her number. This is not how we do things. Right. You don't need to be talking to her." And but you know, she's right. You are the one they want to meet with, and there shouldn't be any distractions. And all this is going on while all Safe is being hacked.
0: Right? Yeah. We're, we you know we kind of yada yada past that part, but. Elliot gets a text in the middle of talking to everybody at F Society about what's going to happen next, and it's from Lloyd. Lloyd, and all safe has been hacked. Yeah, so that's something that Elliot is going to have to go back to his day job. You know, he, he's not just uh, working the extracurricular activities here. He also has a crisis at the office.
1: Yeah, and it, it is just kind of fascinating because where we leave that is. Elliot has Darlene's number. Uh, Elliot does not have the gun. Darlene stashes it in a popcorn machine in the arcade. And Mr. Robot says no distractions. And here we are with Elliot being distracted ultimately with this text from Lloyd saying all safe's been hacked. So, That is, Elliot's got to do the White Rose thing. He's got to meet with the Dark Army. He's got to make this happen. But there are forces pulling him in various directions, whether it's Darlene or whether it's what's happening at Allsafe. He has not the clear headspace he needs to focus on what he needs to focus on.
0: Yeah. All right. So let's shift away from Elliot for a little bit. Let's see another person who is kind of in the middle of a pressure cooker. Tyrell Wellick, a pressure cooker of his own making, I would say.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, certainly the the immediate pressure cooker is of his own making, although the the reason that he made it uh, was because he was already in a pressure cooker. So it's kind of a vicious cycle of, of this truly kind of, I don't know, uh, just nakedly ambitious person and the things that this person has done in pursuit of that ambition. Josh, what is this noise that he makes <laughs> when he is so caught up with the coffee and Gideon Goddard being there? Uh, I just don't understand this. What is this noise he makes? Do
0: you have a good impression? impression of it i feel i like- was hoping you would because <laughs> so like, it's just like
1: <laughs> it's like uh, like i don't know what it is it's, it's kind of a laugh a cry it's like i i don't know it's sort of like that um that the beginning of that uh, the greatest cry ever from intervention where it's starting off and you're not sure what noise it's going to be and i well like this is he is gone because this noise is almost inhuman
0: well he is in a bad way Uh, he's, he's in a bad way. I mean, he's just killed a person. He's just killed a person. It's the next day. Uh, I believe, um, you know, he'd killed Sharon Knowles the night before. We're going to find out later, uh, not long after here that there are detectives that are coming in that want to talk to Tyrell. He hasn't gotten to that point yet, but I still think that he's got to be severely unhinged by his own actions and a little bit horrified with himself.
1: Yeah. And I mean, of course, what is amazing about that more than anything is that Joanna Wellick could not be calmer about everything that goes on in this episode, uh, and so to see the, the kind of stark contrast between the two of them and their responses to the horrible things that happen, it's fascinating to kind of view them as a couple because Tyrell Wellick is losing his shit, literally. Uh, well, perhaps not literally, but uh, we don't need to get into that. Sure. But horrible things that happen. The noise, though. You know, the world, well that could be true. Like that is uh, I can I could associate that noise. I really if you if you guys didn't really pick up on this noise, go back and watch this scene <laughs> where the the coffee is spilled, he's screaming, cancel all my meetings, but Gideon Goddard's here to see you, sir. He wouldn't leave. And then Wellick is just like Bah-ha! you know, like that happens. Yeah. And that's it's such a great kind of encapsulation of what is in his head at that point, just like half psychotic, half scared, terrified, like animalistic kind of tendencies that have taken over Tyrell Wellick. And he's got to meet with Gideon Goddard, and Gideon is ultimately telling him, like, hey, I've set up this honeypot. Like, we figured out that, yeah, one of our employees is going to come out and say that she screwed up the Terry Colby file. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, we're going to catch who did this.
0: Right, yeah. So what is this honeypot? This is, uh, this is basically a way of, like, finding out whoever is actually responsible for the hack. Is that what's going on here?
1: Yeah, basically, that Gideon has – has set up the server such that if anybody who was responsible for the hack goes back in and tries to access the information, they're going to be trapped. It's, it's essentially this this thing that looks like it's good to go and that they can utilize to continue to access Evil Corp. But really, it's a trap. Uh, it, is a, it is a honeypot set up to bait them in. Uh, and Gideon is telling Tyrell that that's, that's set up. And honestly, Tyrell, very curious about this honeypot. Job.
0: Yeah, very curious about that. He's very interested in this information. He's going to start looking into it on his own. Meanwhile, Gideon also is going to get the text that all safe is being hacked. So he's just as happy to leave this meeting, I think, uh, to go and address everything that's going on with that. But Wellick is going to start looking into it. Wellick, what what's your interest in this? Why would you, you know, is this is this possibly going to help you out in your your crusade to become new CTO? Why are we thinking that Wellick is interested in what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question
1: because we know that Wellick has sort of known um, more details about this hack throughout we know that he has confronted Elliot in the restroom and said he knows his motive is revenge uh, and that it's a little petty and that he kind of has sized Elliot up as Somebody who he's not that impressed with because he he knows that Elliot ultimately is just motivated to hurt Evil Corp because of this little petty revenge uh, for what happened with his father, uh, and yet he's very curious about this hack that he's he's known about Elliot really since he saw him switch the file. Um, does he know ultimately what Elliot's plan is? It seems unlikely. Does he know what Elliot did at Steel Mountain? We don't really know, but I think he's always thought of Elliot as just this kind of little fly who has this little petty revenge motive uh, and who has that kind of secret that's driving him throughout. But here we go, that that maybe this is something more, that Wellick is maybe more interested in this because... Wellick throughout has not really clamped down on Elliot. He's in fact offered him a job in episode two. He's kind of been intrigued by him and curious with who he is uh, in the steel mountain episode. So we don't know exactly what Wellick's goal with this would be. And Wellick's ultimate goal seems to have been to just get the CTO job. That's why the Sharon Knowles of it all happened. That's why Elliot was interested in Tyrell or that's why Tyrell was interested in Elliot to begin with. But now, who knows? Like, who knows exactly where his head is at? Because bad things have happened, and he's really far down that
0: road. Yeah, so, he's, he's down the robot hole.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's really down the robot hole. And the question is, like, is he going to take some greater action as a result of this? Like, where does he go with this frame of mind that has him making those weird noises after he's already killed a person now that he knows this honeypot is still here? What's he going to do with it?
0: Yeah, well, he's not really going to have too much time to examine this any further because the police are here. They found a body on the roof oh that's terrible they want to talk to you yeah they can't do that (laughs) Yes. no i'm not ready for that yeah not ready for that they have to make an appointment like everybody else even the assistant in that moment who has heard the noise from wellick earlier in the episode sees that he's probably a little off the rails in this moment she's like but you talk to the cops? Like, you could just, like, see it on her face. Like, this is a weird thing that you're doing here. So Tyrell is definitely not helping his case. Also is not going to help his case later on when the police actually do show up and they start asking him questions and he literally cannot respond.
1: Yeah, just just sort of struck dumb by everything that's happened. Yeah. So this is a – I mean, this is not – Tyrell Wellick is not in a position where he can sit back and be thoughtful about things, both because – Horrible things have happened, and because the the chickens are coming home to roost on that, he's got to run away from his office and say, I want to talk to the Dulles server farm while I'm on the road. Like, he's clearly going to look into this honeypot on his own. The fact that Gideon Goddard has told him this might be the thing that saves Evil Corp. It might be the thing that takes Evil Corp down, because we just don't know where Wellick's head is at, because Wellick doesn't know where Wellick's head is at. He's all over the place and on the run, seemingly, in this episode uh, from his office in this scene.
0: Yeah, uh, so we'll, we'll follow that lead in a little bit. Let's go over to All Safe for a bit while everybody is kind of trying to figure out what's going on here, what's going on with this hack. And this is when Ali, who has already had a previous encounter with Turtle, uh, has been told that there's still a little bit more business to attend to. Ali is going to come up to Elliot and ask him for a favor. Also, he is kind of just going to be a bit of a jerk and finally be a little bit of a douche to Elliot here. Not that he hasn't already been douchey, but like intentionally douchey.
1: Yeah, and he's he's been put in a very difficult position. It's it's made pretty clear. I mean, he's worried about that those clouds that are spelling out his name, Josh.
0: Yeah. Yes. yeah it's I a mean, really it's be? a really stinky situation going yes on who wouldn't be
1: so <laughs> ollie's in a pretty tough way he's pulling rank on elliot and saying you have to go deliver these drives to this location uh, and your meeting is at two o'clock you can't be late leave right now he's very clearly been given instruction ultimately uh, to to get elliot out of the office and to this specific location by a specific time that is the favor that cisco has asked of him this scene i think makes it's pretty clear that Elliot has to do this thing and that Ali is the messenger that they've chosen to get Elliot to show up at that place in time.
0: Right. So Elliot is realizing that, you know, this is, I think he's going to realize it when he's on the street with Angela, that this is what the hack is all about. This is the meeting.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he gets right into Ali's email and looks and sees like, you know, you're responsible for this email from Elliot to or from Ali to Angela. So Ollie, Elliot knows kind of, OK, there's a bigger thing going on here that Ali and Angela are connected to. And this hack may well be connected to me and it may well be connected to the Dark Army uh, in knowing that it's their fault or knowing that they were involved. Like this is a bigger thing. And this probably does involve me.
0: Yeah. All right. So we have a Joanna Wellick scene here. Uh, in between all of this she's very proud of her husband right now i feel like it's like oh yeah you did it you did the mission mission accomplished we're gonna do it you had sex with sharon there's pictures for blackmail and that's gonna be great that's totally gonna work for us
1: It does sort of invite the question, like if she thinks that Wellick has been out all night with Sharon Knowles, where has Wellick been? Yeah. Like if he hasn't been home uh, after he killed Sharon Knowles, where did he go? Great question. Uh, Because we see him walking into the office the next morning, and that's the morning. So where did he go between the murder and walking into the office next morning? And Joanna Wellick assumes he's been out with Sharon Knowles. We know that that's not true, but we don't know where he went.
0: Right. So... Mm, not great <laughs> not great and this is i mean this is a great
1: kind of instance of at the beginning of the episode we're given information uh, that elliot doesn't have that is perhaps pertinent to the story we find out by the end of the episode that it's kind of directly on point with things that elliot doesn't know but here we as the audience again know information that our characters don't that that wellick has not gone home but he hasn't been with sharon knowles we're in the dark on where but we know more than sharon knowles here or we know more than joanna wellick here who's very proud as- as you said of Elliot, or of Wellick, she's also brushing a spot out of a collar, it looks like. Is this a direct kind of parallel to Lady Macbeth, Josh?
0: Ah, look at that. Look at you getting your fish back on.
1: Oh, yeah. you gotta, I got to bring my fish back. Got to get my buzz back.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh man. Let's not get into buzz back.
1: Yeah, I don't want to. We got to chase that. let <laughs> chase
0: that right out of here. Chase that rice out of here. <laughs> oh God! All right. So let's talk but about. Yeah,
1: no, no. Let me let me get into Lady Macbeth sure. real quick because that that scene is like the famous kind of sleepwalking Lady Macbeth, where she gets into the out damn spot and she's kind of rubbing around. And this is near the end of Macbeth. Spoiler alert: where many murders have happened that she is sort of directly involved in pushing Macbeth to participate in, all in the means of essentially pursuing power. And this is where she's really can't sleep or can't just not be restless with herself because of all the guilt and this is a kind of a very physical thing that she's doing as is part of her sleepwalking uh this is very different than joanna wellick who's just sort of calmly there uh cleaning a spot out we don't even know really what that spot is but she assumes a great crime that she sort of pushed him to has already been committed she has no idea it's risen to the level of murder so maybe she would be a lot less calm if she did know but she's pretty cool with the fact that it was adultery so this is not a a normal person to begin with i don't think
0: yeah no i don't Think so I think that that's pretty safe to say about Joanna Wellick at this point
1: yeah and ultimately the the stuff that does happen with Lady Macbeth uh we, we don't want to spoil the rest of the season of Mr. Robot here but I don't think it's a direct parallel to what we've seen but I, I don't think it's unintentional that this is what she's doing in this scene
0: all right so let's get to the scene with Elliot and Angela on the street and they're both kind of you know like not thrilled with each other, because Elliot now knows about Angela that. and what she did at all safe, um, and he's like, "Why didn't you tell me I could have helped?" She says, "You weren't around, and Elliot, like really digging in against Angela for the first time that I can think of, being like, "Yeah, well, you know I've kind of had a rough month over here." You know, (laughs) it's like, fair enough. That is a that is a justifiable position that you are coming in on. Um, But he's starting to realize that this is the meaning. This is what it's all about. Um, He's going to have to go to that place at the exact time that he's been told to go. Uh, But Elliot and Angela, you know, are still taking a moment here to kind of size each other up and take stock of where their relationship is. Um, and you know, she has this line of like, it's so strange. I really miss us. And he's like, why is that strange? And she says, I never thought I'd have to.
1: Yeah. Uh, there, she makes a very poignant or, or I should say on point observation, that Elliot's not been the same and not just the last shitty month that he's had. Right. But the last, this last couple of months, even before Shayla, which I think puts us right back to the beginning of this series. And so I think that that's a great kind of thing that a character is observing that really since we've been following Elliot, something's not been right about Elliot. And I think that that really squares kind of our analysis of the series up where we've got a character whose head seems to be about her in many ways, observing that the person who's our primary narrator and through whose eyes we see most of the action has not been right since ultimately the beginning of the series. And this is episode eight. So that is two months into the series, a couple of months. It really is directly tying in in not even a a non-meta way. Uh, The beginning of the series, something's not been right with Elliot. And we have a character who knows Elliot better than anyone observing that so i think that that's a fascinating part of this scene Uh, and Elliot really is kind of distant. You're right. He is parroting the words that have been given to him or that have been said by other characters when he's not around about him having a bad month. But like I said, I think the really interesting thing here is a character who knows him really well is observing. It's not just been the last month. Something's not been right about you for a couple of months. Uh, And that's how long we've known Elliot. So I think that's great.
0: So this is great, too, because Elliot says like, you know, he says to, you know, in his narration, there's always this divide. My wall, she can't look over. Hackers don't trust anyone. And she knows it um, and I think that that calls back to the Elliot vision back from episode four when you think back on Elliot and Angela having their dinner um, having their you know their big plate of fish of. Of QWERTY, you know, they're not at a traditional dinner table. They are at, you know, a cubicle, you know, sitting across from each other with literally a divider between them. So I think that this has been something that's very much on both Elliot and the show's mind in terms of the dynamics between these characters, but also sort of the walls that Elliot has built around himself that he doesn't let everybody peek over into what it is he's doing.
1: Well, yeah, he's described it as a perfect little maze Uh, when he talks about Krista at the beginning of this episode. He says she's just like everyone else, too afraid to peek over their walls for fear of what they might see. So the walls aren't just to keep others out. They're to keep you from seeing the rest of the world. And I think that Elliot has built these walls around himself, not just so that Angela can't see him, but so that he can't see Angela, so that he can't see other people, see their normalcy, see their problems, see whatever. Uh, He's built himself into this position where he's not really seeing the forest or the trees, that he's in kind of a, this this perfect maze, as he describes it, uh, that allows him to not have to worry about trusting anyone or anything, uh, that allows him to control everything that he sees. And I think the interesting thing about this is uh, the walls seem to be crashing down around Elliot in this episode, that his perfect maze has been disturbed by a variety of factors, some of which are people knowing about him and knowing information that he knows because he's put himself in this, you know, behind these walls he hasn't seen these things and and we as the audience know more than he does other characters like white rose know more than he does so his walls are crashing down because of his myopic kind of viewpoint where he's chosen to box himself in and not see what's going on around him and i think that that's a really fascinating thing that is catching up to him in this episode Uh, and that has nothing to do with the title has nothing to do with white rose but it seems a natural consequence of everything we've seen so far and something small like giving another person your phone number I can be one of those things that leads to those walls crashing down.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, shall we abandon these walls for a cage? Shall we set into, should we we move forward into the Faraday cage and get to the White Rose? I can't wait to get into this. Let's get into, and I'm just going to say it, the White Rose of it all.
1: Oh, there it is. Yes. Let's get into the White Rose of it all. The
0: Beatty Wong of it all. The Beatty Wong of it all. I'm such a huge Beatty Wong fan that when B.D. Wong shows up on this show, I'm like, yes! Oh my god, your White Rose! This is incredible! Oh, that's such good casting. Anything that Beatty Wong is in is instantly just like a tiny bit better.
1: Yeah, and the funny thing is B.D. Wong shows up in the credits to this episode. And i got to say, like when White Rose walks onto the screen, I'm not 100% sure that it's B.D. Wong. Uh-huh. Like, this is great character work. This is instantly instant classic character when White Rose shows up on screen. Uh, and I, I immediately you want to see more of White Rose. And you could make a whole series about White Rose because Elliot walks into this cage where he's basically been instructed. He, he brings the drives to this place uh, that seems to be like that maybe this was a true task that he had to undertake Maybe not. Uh he gives his full name at the desk when he walks in, which is not something I would have done, Josh. Probably but not. Like, probably I'm not. Elliot, I'm yeah. Elliot Alderson, but he like was I'm told to follow dry. the
0: instructions explicitly, like to yeah. the letter. So, you know, taking no chances here
1: yeah and he's observing that maybe White Rose is a legend in this community because White Rose is the most paranoid of anyone that the walls around White Rose are built higher or more you know they keep more people out, uh, and that the dark Army has essentially controlled Elliot into making this meeting go down exactly as they want, so he walks into this faraday cage he doesn't have any cell phone signals he doesn't have any way in or out. he gets shut in there uh, by somebody who walks right out of the room. We think Elliot might be alone in there but White White Rose has somehow imperceptibly entered the room while the other person was leaving.
0: It's awesome. So in comes White Rose, and White Rose is all about time, the master of time, Uh, very specific, saying I manage my time very, very carefully. Each beep represents one minute of my time that has passed, and I have allotted you no more than three minutes. And this is going to be a very tense conversation between these two because Elliot is going to spend most of these three minutes – Completely screwing up his time, you know, completely yes. mismanaging the time as far as White Rose is concerned. White tick Ro- tock. Yeah, tick-tock, Mr. Alderson. You know, just a lot of moments where Elliot is repeating things. We were ready. We were ready. Dwelling is inefficient, but we were ready. Repetition is inefficient. He's going to repeat the same things. He's just going to say redundant information, things that don't matter anymore, don't dwell on the past. We're talking about the future, and it's not really until very close to the end, That it comes out about uh, there was a vulnerability uh, in your hack from Terry Colby. There was suspicion from Gideon Goddard. That's why, uh, you know, you hacked all safe, Elliot says. And yeah, it's because we found out about this honeypot. And this is brand spanking new news for Elliot. And this explains why the Dark Army bailed at the last minute back when they were going up against Steel Mountain.
1: It explains so much. it explains why Cisco is out on the street in front of all save hacking or Hawking his CD around why he found why he needed to find Ollie and Angela to begin with to get the leverage into the all safe situation because Once Elliot switched the file, he brought emotion into the circumstance, into the scenario, and that emotion aroused suspicion is what White Rose says. And that suspicion is a vulnerability, and that really manifests as Gideon Goddard, that when you did what you did, as you're saying, Josh, like Gideon Goddard got suspicious, and then here we are. That caused us to really need leverage against you because we couldn't trust you because you were not acting efficiently. And so you didn't even know, but Gideon Goddard essentially set up a honeypot and it, this is this is what we found. And this is why we didn't go through with it. And all the while, the watches the watch is beeping in the background. White Rose is just kind of efficiently going about her business. She's smoking. Yep. She is controlling everything about this conversation. Uh, Elliot, it's starting to make a little bit of sense to him, but he is not in control of this whatsoever. Uh, he tries to get control. He says, oh, we'll fix it. And White Rose is like, yes, 16 seconds ago until then, you weren't even aware that it existed. Uh, So that does not inspire confidence that you're going to fix it. Uh, White Rose is just killing Elliot in this scene. But White Rose does say, by the end of it, every hacker has her fixation. You hack people. I hack time. You have 50 hours and 23 minutes. And if all parties are ready, then we will execute the hack. So, Josh, it's on. If we can get rid of this infected server, if Elliot can take care of business, then the Dark Army is in and we can do the hack.
0: So... Elliot's got, you know, work to. <laughs> he's got yeah. he's got his work cut out for him but he has a time limit and I mean you know, it's it's the kind of thing where, like, you can work with that amount of time. You know, that's two days. It's a little more than two days. Maybe you can make this happen, but you got to go pedal to the metal. And as far as Elliot learns from White Rose, this is a person who really values time and being efficient with that kind of thing. So time to make some business happen. But Elliot wants to, like, continue the conversation. And White Rose, first of all, says... There's not going to be a next time. Uh, There are very few people I have time to see more than once, and you are not one of them. That's pretty harsh. Uh, That's awesome, though. So White Rose just must know a ton of people. Right, just millions of people. Sure, that's probably it. Uh, But also, Elliot is saying, like, why are you doing this? And then the watch beeps one last time, and that is the end of the conversation. As soon as that watch beeps the final time, White Rose is not even going to answer a question from Elliot.
1: Yeah. And the question Elliot has asked is, why are you doing this? Which I think is a, a great question. What is We know that Elliot's motivation on the surface is to free dead slaves and to take down Evil Corp. We know that his subconscious or perhaps secret motivation uh, is to is to revenge uh, what happened with his father. Uh, we don't know what the Dark Army's motivation is. We don't know exactly what they want to do. They've been labeled terrorists. They work with hostile governments. Uh, they're not exactly these avenging angels or these crucifixions crusaders uh, for the powers of good we've heard various things about the dark army so elliot i think rightfully wants to know like what's in it for you what are you doing and that's great because the watch doesn't beep right at three minutes in josh if you time this scene out When Elliot asks that question, there's about 10 seconds left in his three minutes. But the watch does beep, and White Rose is gone, and no answer is given. So I think this is great. It does play out uh, kind of just those three minutes, uh, or two minutes and 50, you know, seconds or whatever, are so perfectly paced and so tense. And White Rose, from the minute she walks in to the minute she leaves, is in total control, shutting Elliot down, telling Elliot he's stupid, basically refusing to play by Elliot's rules, and then leaving, putting out her cigarette on the drives that Elliot brought uh, for her to kind of dismantle or erase or wipe. Uh, Just so efficient. Multitasking, Josh. Great things from White Rose in this
0: scene. So the time doesn't completely bear out to three minutes then. Do you think that that's intentional? Is that a a gaffe on the show's part? Or is it uh, that White Rose wasn't even going to give Elliot the full three minutes and knew that the whole time? For somebody who's so precise about time, that feels like an inconsistency that I would would, I would hope would not be chalked up to just an inconsistency on the show
1: no I think that white by White Rose's estimation Elliot's time started before White Rose said the meeting has started got it uh, and I think that that's I think that that's when White Rose walks in and says Are you just going to stand there or do you want to hand me those drives? Right. Mm -mm -mm. Like that's what White Rose says when she walks in. And that's when her watch beeps after she says this. So if Elliot had managed his time more efficiently, perhaps he would have had time for that question. But the problem is that he just kind of gaped and stared at White Rose when she walked in didn't do anything when she walked in and the meeting had already started before elliot even realized it so he's that inefficient with his time that he was wasting time and not even knowing it let alone when she told him you only have three minutes and he proceeded to say the same thing three times in 20 seconds right so this is you, white rose does not f around josh no questions it
0: added. was a bad spot for elliot too like elliot's the wrong guy for this because he's not so great in social interaction i've been trying to get better at it uh, but like if he's behind a screen like he can really Really, you know, zone in and focus up. But this is a person-to-person interaction where he really has to be on his game. He doesn't think fast in that way. Uh, you know, he's not very like conversationally. You know improvisational you know he can't no. really just like think on his feet like that so it's a it's just not a great place for elliot to be in the first place
1: we know from the first scene of the series josh where elliot meets with rohit of ron's coffee that elliot says like i usually don't do this in right person, exactly trying to do things more afk and so this is something that elliot already isn't good at then that is a meeting he does well in because he sets the rules of engagement he pops up on rohit he really tells him everything he controls that meeting it is the polar opposite in this scenario he's been tricked into and forced into showing up at a location they know everything about him he knows nothing about them uh he's they've got him essentially in a vice grip and he has no ability to kind of roll with the punches he barely gets them to agree to the hack which i think ultimately before the meeting even started white rose was ready to do but white rose felt the need to tell elliot like you have to take care of this server or it's not going to happen i don't think anything elliot does in this meeting advances whether the hack would happen or not this meeting was was about telling Elliot we're going to do the hack, but we need you to do what you need you have to do first. Right, that's all it was. This wasn't about Elliot convincing anyone.
0: Yeah, so Elliot though is like deeply paranoid after this meeting. Yeah, uh, knows that Gideon uh, has you know set up the honeypot. Gideon is on to Elliot. This is not fantastic. Needs to figure out a way to unravel this situation and is just extraordinarily anxious. And then suddenly, sort of just like drifts into this state of kind of like euphoria a little bit like he's just like really kind of you know sort of like walking on clouds with like this beautiful ukulele music and he's starting to kind of it feels like have like a little bit of like an out of body thing going on here
1: Yeah, great scene uh, for so many reasons here because Elliot's into his voiceover and he's manic as you're saying and he's panicking as you're saying and he's paranoid. He talks about how White Rose infected him with her paranoia and we're all living in each other's paranoia. He's ranting about time, says he needs to be more of an observer like we are, Josh. And then he starts walking slower. That's when the ukulele music comes on. He's sort of floating down the street, not really present in it. And he's asking, like, do you know more than me? Like, uh, yeah, like it wouldn't be fair if my imaginary friend knew more than me. So what would you do in this situation? We need to get Gideon's phone. And he calls Darlene and we really don't hear what he's saying to Darlene. Uh, And he's explaining that explanations can be hard to listen to. And it's probably easier just to arrive at the conclusion. And as he says that, we have a time jump. Talk about hacking time. Elliot is all of a sudden at his desk. Elliot has stage. figured out time travel. Yes, he's, he's hacked <laughs> time, Josh. Yeah. And so time, we don't see it as the audience, but some amount of time has passed. We know it is at least inside 50 hours. Uh, we don't know if it's 10 minutes or two hours or what, but ultimately it's, it's a very small amount of time, but we jump right from Elliot on the street to him sitting at his desk, having figured out the solution.
0: Yeah, it's like we're at the edge of the plan and the plan involves like, Uh, Elliot is someone he's, he's hacked the phone he's hacked into Gideon's phone Gideon's phone needs to be charged up right now I think that helps out he texts go to somebody and we start to get an F Society video a Monopoly mask video and I think you can tell pretty clearly it seems like that's Darlene under the mask oh yeah um, so everyone is, you know, like, really gathering around and, like, trying to figure out what's going on. Oh, my God. And this momentary distraction, Elliot is able to go back to his desk and start the hack on Gideon and to start figuring out how to unravel the honeypot situation. But Gideon is immediately suspicious of Elliot. So talk about having, you know, a ticking clock. It was you know, It was kind of tense before with White Rose, but this is, like, 30 seconds urgent. This is, you know, the kind of thing where... Gideon is going to walk across the room and go up to Elliot and catch him well before Elliot is going to be finished with his operation potentially
1: absolutely. Only put in motion, by, by the way, because of the fact that Elliot had Darlene's phone number, that he calls it at the end of the scene where he's standing on the street and he's getting into something with her. And then we see her in the, the kind of F Society video under the mask. So that's clearly what Elliot has put in motion only because he does have her phone number. If he hadn't had her phone number, if that hadn't been in his phone, who knows what would have happened. But this is because he was able to reach out directly to her and this is what happened. Kind of a complicated hack with Gideon as you're describing it. Elliot has spammed His phone with big kind of multimedia text messages that have drained the battery on Gideon's phone, forcing it to be anchored. Then he's used the F Society video to get uh, Gideon out of the office, running into Gideon's office, getting what is a two-step verification code off. Josh, have you ever dealt with that in your your work and your travels?
0: I'm aware of the two-step. Oh, the Texas two-step? I've done the Texas two-step once or twice.
1: Oh, man, I would like to go back and watch that video of you doing the Texas 2-step. <laughs> was that in fifth tape. grade?
0: It's not on tape. When you no, played John was, Smith? No, yeah, it was first name Johannes Schmitenkeister.
1: Oh, sorry. My apologies. Yeah, yes. That was
0: what he was originally.
1: Anything's possible in America, though. Yeah, so. anything goes. Anything goes. That's right. So anyway, yeah, this is a, this is a two-step certification ba- or verification. Basically, you have to enter a code that is generated on your phone to get into the email system, and the code changes every 90 seconds. So once you get the code, you've only got 90 seconds to enter it in. That is, as you're saying, a very kind of ticking clock, very different than 50 hours. You've got a matter of seconds here. It does seem that Gideon catches Elliot because Elliot, uh, he's already suspicious of Elliot. Elliot doesn't go into the conference room to watch the video Uh, but we find out that that Elliot has gotten away with it Elliot is saved by the bell in many respects here because Tyrell Wellick is calling for Gideon this is a I think very fortunate for Elliot that Gideon is pulled away when he is uh, because that enables Elliot to get into Gideon's email from his desk and actually send out an email saying remove the honeypot from that server remove the kind of backtrace if Wellick hadn't called in that moment would Elliot have been able to do it I'm not sure
0: yeah and it's just, you know, this is this is a difficult thing because watching the show, you're rooting for Elliot. Elliot's the protagonist. You want Elliot to succeed. He's the person we are following. But he's at, you know, he's at an impasse with Gideon Goddard, who's another character that I think we really like a lot, uh, who seems like a really good guy, someone who we really have come to appreciate, uh, had this paternal quality toward Elliot, obviously very suspicious of Elliot right now and not very happy with this guy. Um, and it's
1: yeah, just, I mean, you're, you're right. The show is totally cognizant of this this kind of breakdown between two characters who we might be rooting for it because sucks, Elliot, yeah. Elliot, in this scene right after it happens, basically says like, "When I hacked Gideon." I saw a good, honest man. I'm no good for him or this place. He's trying to help his people. I mean, I'm trying to help society, but he's just trying to take care of his people. And I think it's—I think the show is aware, and Elliot is aware—that we might be, you know, a little problematic. That Elliot is at odds with Gideon, this guy who has been good to him, tried to give him time off work, been concerned about him, hugged him, uh, looked out for his people throughout, made F society or made uh, all safe. His number one priority because of the people that work there. He's been upset with Angela for the same reason. I, I think it's great that Elliot realizes this and that the show realizes this. And Elliot immediately puts Gideon on a pedestal in terms of being a good guy, even though he's hacked him and is using him to kind of take down the server.
0: Good guy, Gideon.
1: Poor good guy, Gideon. I Josh. love good
0: guy, Gideon. Uh, this guy,
1: I mean, he's almost presidential in some respects. <laughs> he really he really should go out and maybe just uh, take, a, take, take care a, of so many more people. Take a know.
0: walker to the president. I yes, he really, that would be a good thing for him, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be fun. Uh, how about this? How about Tyrell Wellick and Mr. Robot hanging out? This, I know you love this scene. This is fantastic. It's so surprising when you see these two characters together. It's like, wait, you guys haven't hung out before. Why are you hanging out now? Tyrell, how do you even know what a Mr. Robot is? Uh, and he wants to know, what are you planning? You know, we were meant to be allies. Um, this is very confusing, <laughs> mystifying stuff going on here between these two characters.
1: Yeah. Meeting in Wellick's SUV. So Wellick has has set the terms of this meeting, I think, or at least uh, Wellick is in control. We've seen throughout this episode who's controlling the terms of, of where people meet and when and how they're meeting in Wellick's SUV. Um, we were meant to be allies is a very interesting thing because we know that Wellick has looked for allies throughout uh, this kind of endeavor. Uh, Whatever his endeavor is, he's got Joanna as an ally. Um, He recruited Elliot to kind of work by his side. Uh, He's done, you know, these other things to try to bring other people into the mix. He was trying to be conspiratorial with others uh, throughout and they've kind of rebuffed him. Uh, He wanted to make Scott Knowles his ally ultimately and and to be his right-hand man, somebody he could take down from the inside. And he's rejected that. So it, it, what we've seen from Wellick, the only person that's really been on board with him as a ride or die throughout, has been Joanna. But he has been searching uh, for these ways in. And little did we know, one of the ways that he's been searching is apparently through Mr. Robot right. um, and through F Society. And so this is a, this is really a fascinating meeting for sure. I mean, this is an episode where... we're seeing these meetings that that occur between characters that either we didn't expect or that are kind of these key high point meetings. Uh, And this is certainly one I did not see coming at this point. Um, Well, it says to Tyrell, or Wellick says to Mr. Robot, like It's very possible we just might Want the same thing and Mr. Robot Says I'm pretty sure you're dead wrong about That my friend right uh, so What do they each want out of this uh, Out of this what are their are their goals Well it seems to want to be CTO uh, Mr. Robot seems to want to Take down evil corpse so those goals But now we have to, to wonder opposed. like
0: are those Are those just surface goals And are there deeper things underneath That we have not been privy To yet and yes. you know we're really In Elliot's head for Mr robot so these are two characters that are not hanging out with elliot right now that are having a very very revealing moment you know saying a lot without saying much you know we don't know exactly what their goals are in this scene but this is the first time that they are speaking in such a way that i think that we need to start suspecting a little bit of like what we believe to know about these people is it just that tyrell wants to be cto is it just that mr robot wants anarchy and to erase debt and all that stuff or is there something deeper going on
1: yeah, and as i said there's there 's a time there 's a time lapse with wellick we don 't know where he goes after he strangles Sharon Knowles. We know he doesn't go home. We don't know where he goes. We also know that as, as far as Wellick goes, he's very interested in this server. He's looking and he sees the F Society information in the server just when he gets in at the office. Uh, we also know that he's maybe willing to do kind of non-traditional things in order to get what he wants, including murder, uh, including these kind of crazy other things. So you're right. We don't ultimately know what he may want. Uh, the CTO, thing had been assumed, but he maybe is acting beyond that into some greater capacity. The other thing is, We have not seen a ton of Mr. Robot without Elliot. You're right. We have seen that in recent episodes. We saw him with Darlene in the bar. We saw him going to recruit Romero. This is an episode where Elliot is openly asking us as viewers, do you know things that I don't? And this is yet another example of something that it seems that we might know that Elliot doesn't. That Wellick and Mr. Robot are engaged on some higher level uh, for possibly or potentially some purpose that isn't what Elliot's ultimately pursuing. Well, I think that's fascinating.
0: Yeah, I mean, Wellick says something very instructive. He says, Aren't you forgetting that I know your dirty little secret? Uh, There are people close to you that wouldn't be happy if they knew what I know. He says that to Mr. Robot, and Mr. Robot says, that's pretty petty. Uh, But when you think about it and you break it down, you're going to realize that it does neither one of us any good for you to reveal that. And you'll realize that the only thing for you to do in your position when it comes to me is nothing. So very loaded threats that are being tossed back and forth. I think that we can surmise by the very next scene with Tyrell who seems to be in control. In that car. You know, Wellick is tossing that thread out, but Mr. Robot responds the way that he does. And as soon as Tyrell goes home, he just like breaks down in front of Joanna. It's like, ah, we've been forgetting the one thing. We've been forgetting about Goods.
1: <laughs> yes, Goods is above us, watching us all, Josh. Yeah. Yeah, so you're right. Wellick may have set the terms of the meeting, or at least it's in his car, but Mr. Robot controls the F out of that meeting. And even when Wellick tries to drop a bomb on him or dig a knife in, Mr. Robot just kills it and dismisses it out of hand. And this causes Wellick to really go off the rails, drinking F and vodka straight out the bottle,
0: Josh. Straight out the bottle. Uh, yeah. And I, maybe that's going to speak a little bit to why he is so numb when the police show up Yeah, because he really can't even interact with these people. It's just impossible for him.
1: Yeah. Can we talk about what he says to Joanna? He says like, th- we know the gala has been canceled. Joanna does not yet know about what happened with Sharon Knowles, but Wellick is basically saying like, it doesn't matter now. Like it, it really doesn't matter. We've been blinded by a myopic focus on the wrong players. He says, a couple months ago, I saw this tack, and I thought he was just taking advantage for merely a small act of revenge. But actually, it was a shortcut to something bigger, something grander, something beautiful. And tears are welling up in his eyes. Wellicking up. Fantastic performance as these tears are wellicking up. Uh, and he says you know what you said we've been focused on what's in front of us but we haven't been looking at what's above us and what's above us is God good so let me ask let me ask you this what it was what was it about that meeting with Mr. Robot that caused this kind of response how did Mr. Robot telling him that you know you revealing what you want to reveal about me would be petty and it wouldn't do you any good and I don't think we want the same thing that's all that was really exchanged in that meeting and Wellick is totally floored at this point
0: well I think it's the fact that the chickens are coming home to roost for this guy I think it's you know not just the Mr. Robot meeting he killed Sharon Knowles he was you know very affected by what he had done in the immediate aftermath of that this horrible act that he's just committed he's unhinged all day long he finds out that detectives want to come and talk to him he probably puts together that I'm going to be a top suspect in here if not somebody who's just like an open and shut case of getting thrown away for this crime and then he has this conversation with Mr. Robot after he's done his homework a little bit on F Society is trying to get Mr. Robot to play ball with him so that they can get on board with each other and play the same game. Um, Mr. Robot wants nothing to do with Tyrell on that front. I think that probably at this point, it's just like a very, very long day. We don't know where he was. I would assume since he did not go home that he's probably running on very little sleep. And so his day of having killed Sharon Knowles is still continuing. I think that just a very, very atrocious day has happened for Tyrell, and he might just be at the height of some mania where he is coming to some you know, kind of epiphany that we don't know the full scope of quite yet.
1: Yeah, and I think it's, it's this thing that where he's learned about the server, and I think what he might have originally thought was just a crime to take Terry Colby down, some kind of petty actor of, of revenge against one specific person. The fact that there's still this kind of backdoor that's built into the system, the fact that Mr. Robot, who is sort of representative of F Society in that meeting, is telling Wellick, like, it's really not possible that we want the same thing. Like, it isn't, you know, he's making it clear, look, it wasn't wasn't just us taking Terry Colby down. That wasn't the goal here. Uh, Our goal is much bigger than that. Our goal is not something that I think somebody who wants to continue to work at Evil Corp would be interested in because our goal is to take down Evil Corp ultimately. And I think he's Really floored by this realization that he has had his eyes on the wrong prize throughout, that pursuing the CTO position, that thinking that he could, you know, maybe work with these. Kind of hackers who were able to Take Terry Colby out might be good for him In the long run Uh, he's really been Way wrong because these hackers have been after Something much bigger much grander Much more beautiful as he puts it Um, And I think that that is uh, I think that that's something that as You're right I think at the end of that day Where he's been pushed to these limits and Crazy stuff has gone down This realization that he has not Been looking over the right walls or that he's Not even been realizing that he's been In a maze the whole time it just knocks him down and completely floors him and then the police show
0: up and then the police show up yeah, yeah. and like joanna now is starting to put things together because the police are like yeah you guys know the deceased it's sharon knowles and joanna's like oh that's terrible but knows instantly like all right so tyrell you killed Sharon.
1: Yes, he, he murdered her. Murdered
0: you. You, mur- you murdered Sharon. It was Dulles. a hard murder. It was a hard murder. Uh, so she's gonna let them in. She's gonna prepare them some coffee, some tea. They start to question Tyrell. He is just you know pale, slicked in sweat, unable to respond. Doesn't so ha- clearly guilty. I, so like the guiltiest. Uh, it's just you know things. It's not good. It's not good for Tyrell in this moment. Um, but Joanna saves the day by forking up the whole situation yes deus ex placenta Josh. Oh. <laughs> that is not the hashtag
1: it's too bad because no. i did just think of that
0: no uh, that's yeah very the, bad. the solution is
1: delivered via some kind of horrible fork uh water is broken blood is there uh joanna wellick we'll stop at nothing josh
0: Yeah, she she says to Tyrell, like, you are not leaving us. I will not let them take you away. Uh, So this is how far she is willing to go for this cause. You know, whatever this cause ultimately is for Tyrell and Joanna, which is still, to me, murky in this moment. um, She is not going to, you know, she's going to sacrifice anything she has to in order to preserve things.
1: Yeah, and this is... uh Quite the lengths to go, for sure. Uh, And this is not something that ultimately doesn't work. It seems like that's the... uh the last we're going to see of them in this episode, so we don't know where it will specifically play out, but uh, it certainly seems like that has changed the dynamic of what uh, Wellick seemed to be right on the verge of confessing or being found guilty in his own living room, uh, and now the dynamic has changed. His wife has is going into labor, uh, certainly through her own action, but this is, this is where we are.
0: Alright, TBD on all of that. Let's go back to Coney Island where Elliot and Darlene are going to celebrate the fact that things seem to be moving forward they are 43 hours away from taking down evil corp darlene is so happy she tells elliot you're the best oh my god you're gonna change the world i can't believe we did it this was all you you're seriously the best person i know i love you so much and Elliot's like "Hmm. i mean i don't know about love but we could kiss
1: total misread on his part for so many reasons for so many
0: reasons (laughs) which
1: are about to become abundantly clear but yeah yeah this is not the this is this is not the kind of love that elliot i think was interpreting here i mean i can't blame him because this is not Typical Darlene. We, this is not our standard kind of uh, sour Darlene. Kind of saying negative things throughout. Uh, this is her telling Elliot he's the best person she knows. This is him giving him her giving him the credit for all of it. Looking deep into his eyes, sharing emotion with him. You can understand why this might rattle Elliot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But Darlene is very rattled because Elliot's brother, and she knows yes. this, and is now starting to realize. Maybe doesn't. Elliot doesn't get it. Right. And this is very revealing about Elliot Alderson. She says, did you forget again? Did you Again. For, did you forget who I am? Uh, and Elliot's like, forget what? And she says, I need you to tell me who you think I am. Uh, and he's like, of course. What are you talking about? Of course I didn't forget. You're Darlene. You're and Darlene. That's not enough.
1: That's yeah, you're, not you're enough. Darlene.
0: You're Darlene. You're Darlene. And in that moment when he when she is about to, you know, reveal that she's his sister, Elliot quicks to it. You know, they yep. both say it at the same time. So Elliot suddenly gets it like it breaks and he figures it out so it you know it's obviously a pretty thick barrier uh that Elliot must have really put up a divide that he has really put up to not recognize Darlene as his own sister but the moment that she explicitly starts knocking on it and is forcing him to knock back that's ultimately a fairly fragile wall that comes down
1: yeah I mean, he put himself in his perfect little maze, and I think he knew he was in a maze, and he knew he had built these walls to protect himself, but in doing so, he very clearly kept some things out uh, from beyond this maze that you know that he did not remember that he 's been in the maze in such a way that he doesn 't remember why he built it to begin with he doesn 't remember what 's on the other side of these walls. And something has clicked in this scene, and it, maybe it's because Darlene was emotional with him. Maybe it's because they're finally getting to the point where they can execute the hack. Uh, I don't know exactly what it is that's pushed Elliot past the maze. That's given him this sort of step to stand up on and look around and look behind these walls. Maybe it has something to do with the the moment he had with Krista, where he finally revealed who he was to somebody else. Because that was you know just in the previous episode. Whatever it is, Elliot's in a position now where it's not only the 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 darlene that is being revealed um he's gonna run back to his apartment and learn something else very very significant
0: yeah uh he's gonna go back he's gonna you know look through all this information that he realizes he suddenly has like he's looking himself up uh it's hard to find elliot he's trying to hack himself he's taking
1: us on directly and (laughs) saying did we know something were we in on it the entire time did you know he slams the camera to the ground yeah
0: did you know
1: Yeah. I mean, he remembers all these details about Darlene. How could he forget her? What else did I forget? What did we know? I I mean, that's a breaking the fourth wall moment. He's been talking to us and breaking the fourth wall throughout. But he grabs the camera and slams it to the ground, It's great.
0: It's so awesome.
1: Yeah. this This is something you just don't see on TV shows. And so we're really wrapped up in Elliot's paranoia now. And then you're right. Then he gets into unhacking himself, trying to find information about him. And we see a disc in his book that's blank. And that's probably been here the whole time. I mean, spoiler alert, we've seen it in the book in previous episodes and just not known what it is. Uh, So this blank CD has been there the whole time. And when he puts that blank CD in... He's got a lot more knowledge.
0: He's got a lot more knowledge, but yeah, at first he—it's like, did he hooly scrub himself? Like, did he did he erase <laughs> yes. himself from the internet? Is that, is that what's happened? But he loads up the CD and he you know does a lot of different processes and like more and more information like is starting to come to light. He's like clicking and clicking and clicking and clicking and clicking and finally one file he clicks on and whoop there's Christian Slater. That's Mr. Robot. Why is Mr. Robot in France? Why is Mr. Yes. Robot, you know, in you know, the, the, in the world? And why being, is he
1: pushing young Elliot around on a bike? Why is yes. he dressed like Doc Brown with young Elliot dressed like Marty?
0: Yes. Why it's a real Mr. Robot and Morty. Yes. Yeah. So he, there's all of these pictures, and then there's a picture of Mr. Robot, Elliot's mother, Elliot. And Darlene.
1: Yeah, same Polaroid we saw before when Elliot looked at it, and it was just Elliot and his mother on the beach. Except now, in true back to the future style, uh, the, the photo has changed and more things are revealed.
0: We know that Elliot and his father have a very complicated backstory. <sighs> Elliot has talked about this a bit. Uh, he has talked about how he, uh, you know, he disappointed his father, he loves his father so much, um, but suddenly, and, and we also know that Elliot's father's dead. Yeah, and so, or, or
1: supposedly, or right? Su- or, like, or supposedly. That, that is what the crazy person that is Elliot has told us throughout the show, is that his father is dead. Uh, we know Angela has said that too, though. Yeah. So it's very interesting to to kind of weigh in on this and say that Angela kind of evaluates what happened with, with their parents and their similarities and that sort of origin. But what if that's not like the truth? Right. What if, Elliot's dad really is alive this whole time and I think this is great because right before he finds all these pictures we have this weird sequence where Elliot is looking in the mirror and he says I avoid myself but why I'm afraid okay afraid of what afraid of finding too much too little and as he's saying this there's a series of other faces as Elliot's looking at himself in the mirror that are looking back at Elliot wearing his hoodie it's Tyrell Wellick we see Darlene we see Angela we see this all so quickly it's almost imperceptible and subconscious we also see the monopoly mask and mr robot in that sequence yeah and elliot says do i even exist yeah see me elliot alderson i am here and then he punches the mirror and says now i'm gone and so so much of who elliot is is wrapped up in all these other interpretations things he's scared of things he's afraid to admit things he's hiding from that is it possible his dad's been alive this whole time and he's known it and he's been working with his dad to take down evil corp uh I think that we have to ask ourselves when we are rel- our narrator is this unreliable, what isn't possible?
0: what isn't possible and the episode ends as if this wasn't all great enough suddenly there's the loud banging at the door and it's Mr. Robot and he says I think we should talk and we cut immediately to credits and that's just like such a great cliffhanger like if you have the willpower to not watch episode 9 immediately like if you are listening to this podcast and you had only seen episode 8 once and you didn't just jump right into episode 9 first I'm shocked (laughs) that really stuns me because I only I can only vouch for myself, but as soon as I saw this cliffhanger and as soon as this revelation came to light, uh, the first thing I did was, all right, got to go right into episode nine. And spoiler alert, I went straight from episode nine into episode 10. You know, yeah. we're, we're really in the free fall of the final portion of this season.
1: Yeah, we'll do a spoiler section here, but I'll be very surprised if many people need it at that point, because I don't see how you stop when you're, you're hurtling down the tracks like this especially with this last sequence. It's reminiscent of Apocalypse Now, a very famous scene where Martin Sheen was really drunk and really totally losing it, playing a character who was drunk and totally losing it, who punches a mirror and smears blood all over his face, uh, having a nervous breakdown. Elliot's in a very similar circumstance here where clearly this uh, revelation about Darlene has caused him to have a nervous breakdown. I think it's valid to ask, as you end episode eight, whether that knock is really real, whether Mr. Robot is really there. I don't know if we know anything at this point. What we thought we knew doesn't seem to be right. What we may have been speculating about maybe also might not be right. We don't really know where we are after episode nine. And the person who has been sort of misguidedly leading us throughout this quest, throughout this story is nuts and is clearly falling apart and is clearly the things that he's been telling us and the things we've been operating under may not be 100 percent accurate so what the heck is going on i don't see how you stop after episode nine
0: riveting stuff we'll talk about it from a spoiler filled perspective in a second here anything else from a spoiler free perspective you want to talk about before we jump into all of that
1: No, I just, as I said, I think this episode, as you're watching through the first eight episodes, really, of course, is a game changer. But it's a game changer, not in just that it changes the narrative that we assumed had been the facts of the story all along. I think it's a game changer in terms of introducing the fact that other characters have these gaps in time, like Wellick, that other characters maybe know more than we think that they know, uh, that people have been watching not only Elliot uh, from afar with the Dark Army and that they've had their eyes on him all along. But that as Wellick Wellick points out, I think his kind of line to Joanna is a great summary of this episode when he talks about like we're focusing on the wrong things. We thought this was an episode – this this was about this tech who was engaging in this petty act of revenge – but maybe it's about something much bigger. Maybe something much grander, more beautiful has been going on the whole time. I think that's a great line from Wellick. I do think it sums up a lot of what's going on in this episode. I think it's fascinating that in some ways our perspective shifts from Elliot to Wellick in that respect, in that we as an audience, this is where Elliot is directly taking us on and saying, what do you know that I don't? He's slamming the camera to the ground. I think it's a game changer in that respect because this is the the first episode that really truly takes on and says... He says go back and watch the first seven episodes. Like Go back and watch every episode that you've seen and now you're going to really start looking at him through a different light right? uh, because some crazy things have been going on that your main character who you were associating with is just not trustworthy on anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah. So There's a lot and I think that that only builds more and more as we go into the remainder of the season. So we are about to do that. First, we'll finish up talking about White Rose from a spoiler-filled perspective. Do not listen any further if you have not already seen all of Mr. Robot Season 1. Let me
1: say one more thing, Josh. Let me say one more thing. Mr. Robot is Elliot's dad. We established that at least that Elliot thinks that at the end of this episode his dad pushed him off a pier
0: yes <laughs> like his dad did, if you go back
1: and rewatch this stuff his horrible things have gone down between to these two characters very 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 complicated relationship makes sense why mr robot was kind of pushing his buttons makes sense why mr robot if it is his dad would be really angry that elliot might have dined him out like that would still have a, an axe to grind about these things makes sense why he stayed by his side as he was detoxing like this rel, rel, revelation has an impact on so many things that we've seen uh and if you're if you're really only watching through eight episodes and you haven't continued to watch it's very much worthwhile to take stock in the eight episodes that you've seen and to think about the scenes that you've seen between the two of them and how that all really looks in light of the fact that we now know that mr robot is probably elliot's dad yeah that we have photographic evidence to confirm that and elliot's just been clueless about it the whole time
0: yeah no it's great stuff it's great stuff any hashtag suggestions for this part of the podcast
1: I don't really have one because I want to use Dave's X plus N- No,
0: stop. No. Yeah, you won't let me. So <laughs> not good. you're going to have to suggest it, Josh. All right. That's how, all about, uh, how about hashtag Wellicking up? We had oh, that. Earlier. All right. We've
1: got that's up. That's cleaner. That's,
0: that's cleaner. Please be cool. Please be kosher, everybody. Uh, all right. We will talk about the remainder of White Rose in the spoiler filled section. That's the music cue. Get out of here if you have not seen the rest of Mr. Robot season one. Otherwise, we'll see you on the other side. And we are back. We are in the spoiler filled section of the White Rose Conversation. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Um, I don't know. What's a good spoiler right now? Uh, We've talked about The Wizard of Oz. we talked about. Kristen Eric.
1: Ewing shot JR. <laughs>
0: we can talk, yeah, we could do
1: that. Um, no one's going back and watching Dallas. I really don't think. That's despite not something that's
0: happened. Despite the brief breakup, Corey and Topanga get back together. Oh, Boy
1: Meets World?
0: Yeah, and then they have a family together in the spinoff show called Girl Meets World.
1: Did that already happen?
0: Uh, yeah, that did. Is, happen. Was it any good? Uh, Girl meets World? Yeah, can we do like a little 30 I seconds? Watch. I didn't watch Girl Meets World. I How did you know you love Boy Meets World? I do love Boy Meets World. I just wasn't interested. You just you know, don't I, like girls. No, I, I got just, it. No, it's nothing about that. Mm-hmm. I just want to let it lie. I'm very ha- Like, I barely got into Fuller House. I couldn't Another do it. typical do online
1: World journalist, World. journalist doesn't like women. Oh,
0: stop that. Stop.
1: <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know you love Topanga, Josh. You don't have to fool me.
0: Unbelievable. All right. So we're talking about Mr. Robot. <laughs> you told
1: me Joanna Wellick's your favorite character ever, so. Let's
0: talk about Mr. Mr. Robot me. season one episode eight from the spoiler. you wish the show was
1: called mrs robot mrs
0: robot ms <laughs> robot to you ms
1: robot yes please let's yes. let's let's not bury the lead here i ms. prefer robot. ms
0: robot but let's talk about mr robot himself let's talk about the big reveal that mr robot is elliot's father except that there is a second reveal waiting to happen that yeah mr robot is elliot's father but also a figment of elliot's imagination but i think to call him a figment of elliot's imagination is a disservice
1: Yeah, he's a lot more than that. He is a real kind of almost living, breathing manifestation, and it is certainly... One of Elliot's kind of uh, breaks. This is something that every scene we see with Mister Robot, as we know, is a scene of Elliot. And yeah, is he acting like Elliot's dead might act? I don't. The jury's kind of out on that because we see a lot of different portraits and we hear a lot of different things about, let's say, Mister Alderson. But um, he's certainly, as a character in this show, as Elliot is, sort of portraying him uh, a very complex guy who seems to be a nice guy, but also a bad guy, uh, and who seems to drive Elliot to do good things and bad things as we've seen throughout he's there at his side through the drug withdrawals but he's also the guy who pushes him off the pier right so his dad is whispering on both sides of his you know both shoulders i think he rests on and i think we see both sides of that come out so he's a lot more than just a figment i'd say
0: yeah it's it's a really interesting aspect of elliot and for my money it's it's Far from being untangled in this season. You know, we're really only just starting to come to come to grips with what this character is. I think that there's a lot of instructive stuff that you get along the way on the rewatch because that character is now someone who you can watch for who he really is. That Mr. Robot is not somebody with... Just his own agency and his own independent body. He shares Elliot's body, but these are two people that are often at war with each other. You talk a lot, Antonio, about how there's also this supportive side of Mr. Robot that seems to exist there for Elliot. I see that less than you do, I think. I really do tend to see Mr. Robot as more sinister and nefarious and not the kind of thing, more of an id than a superego. I don't know that there's a superego there. Um, but it's, it's been interesting to talk to you about it and to kind of hear your take that you do feel like there is some sort of conscious, uh, you know, like a consciousness part of, uh, of, of, of Mr. Robot here that's in play with, with, um, with Elliot. Yeah.
1: I mean, he, there is so much it, there's no, it's unquestionable. Like this is sort of the unbridled thing that's happening. And your American horror story co-host here from post-show recap, Stephen Fishback didn't seem to like this twist of, of, of Mr. Robot didn't seem to like that. It was a little fight clubby in that uh, there, you know, maybe he's representative of this pure id, but I think part of the reason why I've always liked it more and why I've always been more fascinated with it and why I agree with you that we're really just kind of scratching the surface, even as we leave season one, is that I think it's a little bit more than that. I think it's complicated. I don't think it's just a, oh, this is the, the person inside that when you're wrapped up in your corporate job that takes you from airport to airport or your desk job at your cubicle or whatever it is, that you've got this person inside you that's primal and that wants to just destroy society and all these things. I think it's a lot more than that because I think it's fascinating, for example, that in this episode, Mr. Robot tells Elliot, lose Darlene's number. Lose her number. You don't need that. And is that Mr. Robot Elliot's id trying to protect itself, trying to protect Elliot from that discovery? I think it is, right?
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't know.
1: I mean, that that would have to be why Mr. Robot is saying like you don't need to talk to Darlene. I think that there's some level of that that is if you talk to her and you get on that personal level with her, this is going to unravel and we're going to you know we're going to come to a head with you and I. And I think that the really fascinating stuff about this is going to happen next episode, obviously, where we really take them all the way to the graveyard and we've got Mr. Robot saying directly to Elliot like if you let them in, if you let them control you, I'm gone. I'm right. going to disappear. And we know that that's not going to be the case. I think Mr. Robot will be back in season two. Christian Slater will be back in season two. The question is, does Elliot go away from the knowledge of knowing who Christian Slater is, or does he get kind of boggled down by the fact that he knows it's his father and that he has all those daddy issues that he has to play out, and that so much of what makes Elliot Elliot germinates from the fact that his dad died and the way that his dad died, not just the evil corp of it all, but the way his dad kind of of shrunk away. From Any sort of acknowledgement that it was happening, the way his dad didn't want Elliot to kind of confront it, the way it ultimately ended with Elliot being pushed out of a window because of his dad's anger at the world, at his condition, at death, at all of it. It's so complicated. It is much more simple because it is a multi-season television show it's so much more simple than a movie which is just like this is your pure unbridled id coming out of you somebody that you want to be when the world tells you to be a certain way and bottle things down in your primal core you're going to fight and you're going to do these horrible things and you're going to insert porn into movies and you're going to try to cause damage in society i think with elliot there's a lot more going on with mr robot than just pure unbridled id i think it summarizes and encapsulates a lot more about what makes elliot elliot And what has led him to this point? And I think it is varied if you go back and look throughout the season. It isn't always pushing him in the wrong direction. Sometimes he's the only one that's with you when you're at your lowest ebb and you're going through withdrawals. He will never leave your side and he will try to help you to a good place, not a bad place. He's not encouraging you to do more drugs, even though he just tried to make you kill yourself. So I think it's a lot more complicated than just a simple fight club kind of id twist.
0: Yeah, but I think that you could also interpret a lot of that stuff of like, I'm going to stay with you and get you through detox. I'm going to push you over the ledge so you start waking up. I'm going to buy you an Apple teeny so that you can drink (laughs) up and, and start to, you know, start feeling better about yourself and you don't have to come back to F society. But then we see immediately that there is a manipulative thing where the whole, you know, Evil Corp, Terry Colby connection to Elliot and Angela's parents. Comes up on TV seconds later. I think that all of those charitable moments that Mister Robot displays, you could read that as an aspect of Elliot manipulating Elliot further, um, and maybe that's just. And I typically am not such a cynical guy, but I am very skeptical of Mister Robot and all of those moments that I just I don't accept them as him being a sympathizer for Elliot, necessarily, in all of those moments. I can still see the read where those are acts of manipulation and things that are not very good. And I still think that that would be very compelling. I don't, you know, that wouldn't bother me as, like, too Tyler durden You know, that wouldn't be too Tyler Durden for me. I think that it's still very compelling stuff to play out with a guy like Elliot, who is... Very talented and capable in his own ways, but when it comes to emotion and when it comes to his psyche and his you know his mental state is a fragile, moldable guy um, and that's a scary, scary fraught dynamic that I really, really have enjoyed so that's typically how I view the relationship, but i really I really like your view of, of it as well, even if it's not one that I share quite as much as you do.
1: Well, I think the most interesting episode to analyze in this respect, you've, you've kind of hit on when you talk about the Appletini of it all. That's episode three, Debug. And that's the episode where at the Appletini bar, Mr. Robot is basically saying, I'm sorry for what I did. This is, I'm sorry for pushing you off the rail. And Mr. Robot says, he, you know, he says, I don't want to hurt you. People who get violent get that way because they don't know how to communicate. Your dad, I bet he felt shitty for what he did. I'm sure he wanted to apologize too. Sometimes pushing your kid away is easy Easier, don't stay mad at him for too long. And this is the episode where Elliot has talked about how a bug is something that is an unconscious bubble that floats to the surface and pops with a revelation that you'd known all along. And so I do think it's interesting. You call it manipulation. That's the episode where that's where steal my sunshine comes on right after Elliot leaves this bar. Is it really over? Am I free of all this stuff? And yes, later in the episode, the leak does come out about what happened directly with Terry Colby. And we know that that's already kind of been set in motion by Mr. Robot, by Elliot. So if you take it on this level, Elliot is sort of self-destructive at his core, whether he's Mr. Robot or not, uh, even though some part of this person at his is also – yeah, he had his evil core. Some part of this person is also telling him, like, you need to forgive your dad. Like, you need to be good. Like, you you know, you need to understand that he's probably very sorry. And as a matter of fact, if Elliot were able able to actually have that breakthrough, were he were he able to kind of see through all these things, it's possible he might really get some life clarity. Like, this might be the truth, the real truth that he needs to get past in order to evolve as a human. And he he can't get out of his own way. Like, there's part of him telling him this that I don't think is is manipulation based Mr. Robot does want back in but he's saying the the sort of thing that would unlock Elliot if Elliot were to really come to grips with it this is a way for Elliot to really be happy to forgive his dad to realize that his dad didn't mean to treat him like shit and that as an adult he can look back and say oh I know adults do stupid stuff and I can forgive him for that and if he were able to do that maybe he could actually move on and Mr. Robot would be gone but he's not able to do that does Mr. Robot know that to do that I don't know but I do think that that it's fascinating I think that Mr. Robot at times is saying good things to Elliot that are good for Elliot and maybe they're only to advance the plan but if Elliot were to actually listen to them I think the plan would be done like I think that he wouldn't need to advance I don't think it would be a phony steal my sunshine like sequence if Elliot were to have these these breakthroughs for example in therapy with krista where he talked about his dad more where he really revealed these kind of things and we probably know yeah, but this when because- he's hearing
0: those things from an alternate aspect of his personality that is wearing his father's face i think that it's hard to learn like the appropriate lessons from that character well, yeah, and, 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 and part of that yeah. is
1: he's not taking his medicine, right? right? Like part of that is he may have learned these lessons before he's forgotten Darlene again. Like this is something that he has covered up. He put on a blank disc and put in a book and erased from his memory and built a wall around. Uh, and he seemed to have been living normally before that. Like we don't know. And this is something I'm very excited to get into in season two. We don't know when F society was formed. We don't know how he formed it. Did he approach them as Elliot? Did he approach them as Mr. Robot? How are we going to see that if we see it at all? Are we going to hack time and go back and look at that sort of thing? I don't know, but I'm fascinating to know that because – we're kind of placing this thing on a continuum. And we know that at some point Elliot did something that had him end up in court mandated therapy. We know that at some point in that court mandated therapy, he went off the rails, stopped taking his meds and started having delusions again, forgot who his sister was, got into this position where Mr. Robot was in his life. He kind of approached him the first time that we get into this series, Mr. Robot is following him around and kind of Elliot's already paranoid. So Mr. Robot hasn't been there. So this is all a product of. Some problem that Elliot has put to bed in the past that is coming back now. And why is it coming back? because he's off his meds, and maybe if he listened to Mr. Robot here, and actually got back on the straight and narrow and dealt with his problems, it wouldn't continue to happen. So it's It's interesting.
0: Alright, well, we'll get into the fin- the family dynamics in the next episode, and we'll start following that down with the really great introduction, the first scene of the episode being back at a place called Mr. Robot, so you also get the explanation of where the show gets its title from. If that place even ever if it, existed. If it even exists. <laughs> if that even real, so because it
1: doesn't <laughs> jibe with the story. Yeah, we'll get to that.
0: We'll get to that. We'll save that for we'll save that for next week. Um, but in terms of the origin story of F Society, is this a good spot to start talking about Tyrell Wellick and his encounter with Mister Robot? And what's great so, spot? And what's so great about that too is like you know again with like. Mr. Robot and Romero that's Elliot and Romero so here this is Elliot and Tyrell Wellick Tyrell Wellick isn't seeing Christian Slater he's seeing Rami Malek right he is and and
1: Rami Malek that's why he's saying to Rami Malek I know your dirty little secret which is that your dad was killed by Evil Corp and you're acting only out of revenge that's the secret I think that Wellick knows right Unless he knows more. Um, that we don't know. That's that, the secret that we, we know. know that he knows. And he's called it kind of a secret when he encountered Elliot in the bathroom. And so when you take it in that, uh, that kind of frame, that's the sort of bomb that he's dropped, the, the private knowledge he has about Elliot that we know about. Is there something more we don't know?
0: Right. I think that's the question. I mean, I think that from the conversation between Wellick and Mr. Robot, Does it sound like they've been working together? It doesn't sound like, you know, that Wellick and Mr. Robot have been working together. Maybe Elliot and Wellick have some sort of pre-existing relationship uh, or at least some pre-existing partnership. But I don't know about a pre-existing partnership between Tyrell and Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot really seems to be very dismissive of Tyrell. Yeah,
1: and when, and when Tyrell tells it to Joanna directly, he basically says, a couple of months ago, I saw this tech, and I thought he was just you know engaging in petty revenge. And so I think he's, he says, "Like when I first encountered this thing, this is how I encountered it. I encountered it through seeing him switch the file. I thought he was just being petty. When I looked into him, I realized that he had an axe to grind with Terry Colby and Evil Corp that was very personal, and I thought that's what was going on. And I thought maybe I could work with it, is essentially what... the. Gist of that kind of is. I thought that I knew what I was dealing with, that we were meant to be allies that he says to Elliot, we might want the same thing that he says to Mr. Robot as Elliot, I should say. I think is representative of that, that Wellick has approached this relationship as, look, I know you did something harmful. Turned out that the harmful thing you were doing probably would have helped me. So we probably could have worked together. And I admired some aspect of what you were doing. I even made you a job offer, but it turned out that I had no idea what your plan actually was. And I didn't really know that you... You were a lot more in control of the situation than I was throughout, and now that I'm spiraling out of control, I'm totally in admiration of how in control you are. My question for you, Josh, is: Do you think that we that there was a meeting between Elliot and Wellick after Wellick killed Sharon Knowles that we didn't see? Where did Wellick go? Yeah, I don't know. I. You, let, me, let me tell you the reason why I say that. The reason yeah. why I say that is there's a very conveniently timed phone call that Wellick makes to Gideon Goddard that bails Elliot out right after the hack has happened. Uh, right after the hack has happened and Darlene uh, has sent the kind of uh, Monopoly mask video into the conference room that's gotten Gideon out of his office, Elliot is saved from Gideon's wrath by the phone call from Wellick. Could be conveniently timed. Seems almost too conveniently timed. It seems like Elliot called Darlene and said, send the video. And it could also be that Elliot was like, "You know, hey, you got to call Gideon when this happens to pull him away from the other thing so that I can continue to do what I need to do. I don't know if that's true. It's just such a weirdly conveniently timed phone call from a person who we know has been in partnership and has worked with Elliot on some aspects of this. The, The total Details of which we don't know.
0: Right. Well, I mean, some sort of conversation had to go down to get Tyrell and Elliot to Coney Island together in this SUV. Yes. Um, So some communication existed between these guys. Yes. It's not beyond the realm of possibility that during that blackout period where Elliot is wondering if he can just jump to the conclusion, and he does, he wakes up in the conclusion, um, that that was some mister Roboting happening there. You know, that was a Mr. Robot plan that was hatched there. And you could see that. You could totally see him having some chat with Tyrell. But in terms of Tyrell's night off after Sharon is killed, after he kills Sharon. I don't know necessarily that he's talking to Mr. Robot in that moment. I don't know well, that I we mean, have enough in, in, in information to say that he spent that night looking into the F Society thing any further, other than I would I would just assume that he was out all night freaking the F out over what he just did.
1: Yeah, and the only reason I bring this up is because there's going to be a lot more time gap Tyrell Wellick stuff happening in episode 10, sure. obviously, uh, at the end of episode nine and into episode 10. This becomes kind of a key point for the end of the season is at what level are Mr. Robot and Wellick engaged? At what level is Wellick engaged with F Society? At what level is he involved in the hack? Uh, is he a patsy? Is he somebody they're pinning it on? Has Elliot or F Society or Mr. Robot as Elliot uh, re- or Elliot as Mr. Robot recognize that Wellick is vulnerable like this? Uh, where did this come from? well Wellick make a call to him after this all played out uh, and the Sharon Knowles thing happened? Uh, and that's why he's so shocked when it's Gideon Goddard that shows up. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think it's worth asking, though. I don't think the Darlene scene at the beginning is in any way related to, uh, to Wellick, I've seen some people wondering about that. Like, is that guy a proto-Wellick? Is he a Wellick stand-in? Uh, could it have been Wellick in some other apartment or something right. with Darlene? I don't know that that's true. It is fascinating that that gun is placed into that popcorn uh, machine, not really used again, but clearly in the machine uh, in moments where Elliot and Wellick are in the room together. Uh, so does the gun come back into play? When you talk about hacking time, and I think you make a great observation – that when Elliot is sort of saying, like, I'm confused, what's happening, White Rose has got me paranoid, I'm thinking about time now, and he just quote-unquote jumps to the conclusion, something could have gone down in that jump. Um, we're going to see that that sort of thing really play out over a three-day period uh, in episode 10. But so, that feels
0: like us experiencing the transformation into Mr. Robot. Like It's like when you – I don't know. Have you had your wisdom teeth taken out? No. Have you ever had like a like the, have Are you, you ever, asking me if I've done drugs? <laughs> well, have you ever been in like a doctor's office for any sort of surgical procedure where they put you under and you have that moment where you're counting backward and like you think that you're going to be able to hit it. Like no, no doubt at yeah, all. Yeah, I'm not that, going anywhere. You know, you guys, like, this I'm going to be, be work. fine and then suddenly you're done you're gone. and like yeah. the next thing you know is literally waking up. Hours uh, later. It feels like that. It feels like that being put under and then suddenly Snapping back into it. And I think the show does a very effective job of evoking that feeling. You know, he starts to feel fuzzy. He starts to feel euphoric. Ukulele music starts coming in. Yeah. Everything slows down. He's sort of drifting. He's getting lost in thought. And then suddenly he just snaps into it. He's just like in the office and he's at the edge of the move. And what's especially fascinating about that is he knows what to do. He knows what to do, so there is some level of the mister Robotting that goes on that Elliot, on the other side of it, doesn't have to have had like the awareness that the Mr. Robot aspect of himself was involved to engage in that side of the plan. You know what I mean? I think that, yeah. that's, I think that that's a really fascinating thing that this episode allows us to play with.
1: Yeah, and not the first time that that's happened uh, where, you know, you you were just talking about how this stuff is revealed about Terry Colby and the leak while Elliot is kind of blissfully saying, I could be normal, Shayla could be my girlfriend, and then it comes on the TV and sort of Fs up his worldview. Like, the actions of F Society are are, are ongoing without Elliot's real involvement, even though Elliot is the one driving the bus. We just right. don't always see it as an audience. And I think this episode kind of introducing the idea that you can hack time. In this episode, really introducing some key time shifts, both with the Elliot scene, with the Wellick scene where time is missing, uh, and, and and just that. It obviously becomes a much greater theme as we get into episode 10, as we're discussing. But I think that hacking time and and the fact that the audience who typically knows more than Elliot, uh, is sort of in the dark, and we're finding out more things about the, the the scenario and the way things are going down than Elliot, but we're still in the dark about a lot of what's going on because so much of what we see is through Elliot's eyes that we're really confused about what we're seeing. I think this episode really brings all that to the forefront, and I think that it's a game-changer in that respect, not just because of the major twists that are sort of uncovered in this episode, but I think it, it, the narrative style and what we've been watching – being revealed to be so questionable and the fact that you can jump time with these characters and that we're just not seeing things that are happening as the the show's going on i think that's a major realization when you're watching this for the first time
0: um, in terms of spoiler stuff i feel like the only other major one that i would like to talk through and we don't even have to talk through it super far is just this is the first appearance of white rose yes uh, white rose being presented to us as a woman and we know it's bd wong and is then going to be in like full BD Wong mode at the very end of the season in a really kind of jarring scene where it's like what does White Rose have to do with Evil Corp and why is that just like straight up BD Wong now and what are they talking about and what's going on so I love this episode for introducing what very may well be the most complicated character on the show and that says a lot considering Elliot Alderson is our main character.
1: Oh, yeah. And I think there's some there's some little crazy stuff about that. White Rose said, like, you just found out about the server 16 seconds ago. This is not inspiring. Confidence. Later in the episode, Joanna Wellick sees Tyrell drinking vodka straight out of the bottle and says this is not inspiring confidence, the exact same line. Uh, So I don't think there's a connection there, but it's little stuff like that where it's like, wait a minute, when you go back and you look at it and you say, what has White Rose's involvement been? What's the Dark Army's goal? And that's the direct question that Elliot asks to White Rose. And by the end of the season, we're really meant to question that, uh, the White Rose kind of goal. What is your goal? What are you doing? Why are you doing this in this eyes wide shut kind of weird uh, cabal Uh, Upper upper 1% of the upper 1% Illuminati-like meeting that's going on. Like, what is your greater goal? And I think that's a major question to ask ourselves as we go forward into season two, that Elliot directly asks White Rose in this episode. And you're right, seeing White Rose in this moment, knowing what is to come with White Rose and hearing Elliot ask that question, it's fascinating.
0: And you also got to wonder, you know, White Rose says to Elliot, uh, I won't see you again or you won't see me again. Will Elliot not see White Rose as Elliot is seeing White Rose in this moment ever again? But we'll see full on BD Wong at some point because you got to imagine that these two characters will meet again despite what White Rose says.
1: Yeah, or maybe White Rose will meet with Mr. Robot. Like, I don't know exactly right. how this will play out, but you're right. It, does, it doesn't seem likely that they're going to keep these two apart. I think it's a baller move. It's just a bravado move on the show's part to end – the season how they ended and it's really fascinating to see with the white rose scene how they set that up in this episode uh and i think you're right the the kind of ongoing story between white rose and elliot not just elliot and the dark army or f society and the dark army but between these two characters in specific
0: i we have to revisit very much so anything else from this episode you want to talk through
1: no, I, I, as I said, I think that this episode uh, will – I think we're going to get into a lot more of the dynamic between Elliot and Mr. Robot and whether it's good or bad or wrong. We did a little bit of that here, but I think some, much more of that comes to the surface next episode, and I, so we'll definitely talk about that. I Do you make anything at all about the the scene where Elliot is seeing all the characters in the mirror and they're, they're all wearing the hood and they all look like him?
0: And they're all secretly Elliot alderson I mean, I, obviously,
1: that doesn't Please, seem no. to be the case, right? I, I, <laughs> I don't hope think. Not. That, I hope yeah, not. I don't I, think this is a greater scene in that respect. But yeah. I do wonder if some people are thinking that.
0: You know, maybe. But I, I really am of the belief that at least as far as the people that we have met on the show, I don't think. I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like anyone other than Mister Robot and is Elliot. Like I don't, I don't feel like. Darlene is secretly also Elliot. I don't feel like Romero is also secretly Elliot. I don't want to... I feel like that's the, that's the robot hole that I don't want to go down. But maybe then I'm being naive for not looking at some of these people as suspects. But I think that based on what we've been seeing in this rewatch of season one, enough of these characters have their own agency and storylines, and if you are also trying to mash together timelines of how Elliot could be doing all of these different things at once if he is one or more of these other people, it just starts to fall apart for me. So I don't make much of it other than, you know, these are people that Elliot is invested in. You know, these are, these are people that, whether he knows it or not, he has let into his maze. Whether they know it or not that they are in his maze i think when he sees angela there's a huge connection between elliot and angela uh you know he is completely invested in her and her journey and has a lot of emotional deep-rooted ties to her but i don't think that it means like elliot and angela are one and the same at least i really hope not i don't yeah think that, well, i mean i'm not had- i'm not on board for that
1: We had an email from Caleb from Atlanta who may not be listening to this section because I'm not sure if Caleb was watching for the first time or uh, has watched it all the way through because I think it's a valid question either way, whether you've only seen the eight episodes or whether you've seen them all. Caleb says, hope you guys are doing well. I'm in school right now studying psychology and we were just studying personality disorders and how in some personality disorders, every part of the personality in the person with the disorder can sometimes have different names, kind of like an alter ego. Is it possible that all the different characters within the story of Mr. Robot are all just the different personalities inside Elliot's schizophrenic mind? Love the podcast. And so thank you, first of all, Caleb, for saying that. But you're saying, and I agree with you, that if we had a pullback at the end of season two and Elliot's in a rubber room and it's just like, oh, all of what we've been seeing is inside Elliot's head. That's not a good pullback. And that's not something that we're super interested in seeing the show do. Even though I'm confident that if the show did go there, they might be able to pull it off. That's something I think we agree that that's not a a pullback that we're interested in.
0: Not particularly. Not for me. Um, I'm not especially interested in that. If it goes, that's the inside out
1: Pixar kind of thing, right? Yeah, like,
0: yeah. You know, I just I don't I don't think that the show needs to go there. I think that the show is doing a lot of interesting stuff with questions of identity and reality, and you know, um, anxiety and social disorder, and just a lot of really interesting work that's going on with paranoia and power. Uh, I feel like these are interesting themes that they are exploring really well with this reveal that Elliot and Mr. Robot are different sides of the same Coin that I feel like once you turn that into you know a multi-dimensional figure uh, where it's not just like the two different aspects of this character, I feel like that's when we're starting to go into a place that I don't I don't know that that's what I need from Mister Robot. But again, the show is executed in such a way and has been so surprising that if that is the direction we're going in, I'd give it I'd give it the time of day. But it's not the direction I'm expecting it to go in.
1: Yeah, I mean, there, listen, there there's a lot of the comparison to fight club i think after this episode i think you certainly can make more accurate or or seemingly as accurate comparisons to dexter with his code and with harry kind of always in his head but not yeah, necessarily real. His,
0: his dark passenger
1: Yes, I mean this is so. There's there is some aspect of that to it, but I think you hit on something that is also really fascinating about this, which is that the people that Elliot has chosen to let inside his maze to peek over his walls, even a little bit, whether it's Mobley or Romero or Darlene uh, or Trenton or anyone, they all have their own personal motivations. We know Mobley's in it to pal around. We know Romero's in it for a whiff of fame. We know Trenton's in it because it represents to her this horrible representation of America. That people get jaded and, and, you know, that people get snowed by. And so I think all of those things, and when you talk about the inside out of it all, like all those things are representative of reasons why Elliot might be involved. Whether it's that he wants a little bit of fame, whether it's that he likes to have the camaraderie, whether it's that he really does want to do good for certain people that he knows that are close to him that are impacted, whether it's like Angela, whether he's a really good person who wants to try to change the world in a good way. Like these are all various aspects. Of Elliot's personality, whether or not they're physical manifestations of it in their own lives, or whether or not they're just kind of made up and there really are Elliot. I think the the, the the goal of what you would achieve with that is is still achieved by making them their own people who have their own goals that are varied and that could represent different motivations that Elliot has.
0: All right. So this was a really deep dive into White Rose. Fantastic it really was, episode. But it's a great episode. Fantastic episode. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. We only have two more left on robot road and mr robot season two is creeping up very soon july 13 is when the show comes back we will be all set with the first season rewatch of mr robot we we're hoping also to record a second uh sort of preview show as we we're getting into mr robot season two hopefully some new voices will come along for the ride on that one very excited about that oh my gosh are there
1: manifestations of us josh yeah
0: yeah <laughs> we have exactly. to just use different voices yeah we're that's what i mean it's really we're just going to I'm going to get Paul Borges
1: on as my Mr. Robot
0: he kind of looks the part I know that's Christian what I Slater mean yeah it's so. perfect yeah. It's,
1: he's ready to do it so absolutely. we're good to go
0: absolutely anything else Antonio no that's it for me alright that's it for me as well we will be back very soon talking about episode 9 with the big Mr. Robot reveal very excited to be able to talk that through in the spoiler free section yeah, I think it's going to
1: be very fun
0: we're going to kill uh, our
1: podcast <laughs> killing independent George here
0: yeah I think so so that's going to be really good. All right, everybody. Take care. Goodbye.